Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to have you here today. Uh, man, thank you for being with us. Uh, we are all online today because hopefully today it's already snowing, and if not, the snow's coming. And uh, if you're like me, you're pretty excited about this, but uh, we just felt like being together like this is so much better. Uh, and we've got the technology, and we've got the crew and production, and all that. We can make that happen. So uh, we're glad that we can all be together online this morning. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, during the midst of this pandemic, early on, one of the things you couldn't find a whole lot were, were these right here, puzzles. Because everybody was at home, right? And they're trying to figure out what are we going to do? How are we going to keep everybody happy? How are we going to keep everybody busy? And so people started buying puzzles like crazy. And maybe you're one of those people that were trying to buy puzzles to keep your family from going crazy. Well, I, I've got a puzzle up here today, Star Wars. And uh, you know, you think your family's messed up, you need to go back and, and watch some of these movies. But, uh, but Star Wars is a great old classic, right? But, but with puzzles, I mean, you think about what you do with a puzzle. You, you open up the box, you, you've got the image that you are, are trying to create, and then you have all of these, these pieces. And, and what are you going to do with these pieces? Well, you're going to do everything you can to, to put these pieces together. And so you're going to take all of these, and if I guess you're normal, you take the end pieces, and you start trying to find the end pieces, and, and then you start to connect the end pieces as the best that you can. And, and then there's pieces you look at, and you're like, oh man, this has got to go right here. It just looks like it's perfect, and, and it's not perfect. It's not the right piece. And, and then other times you find a piece, and you think, this has got to fit right here. And so you're, you're pushing it in and forcing it the best you, you can, and, and maybe it's not the right spot for it. But that's how we put a puzzle together. We take the time to bring all these pieces together. And, and we can just leave it like this if we want to because it's overwhelming. Or, or again, we can take the time to, to look at this and begin to put it together. So in the end, we have this amazing picture that we can look at. Uh, this puzzle is very much like our lives where we're trying to, to figure out how do we fit all of our pieces together in our, in our puzzle of, of life. We've got work, we've got home, we've got relationships, we've got activities, we've got hobbies, we've got finances, we, we've got school, we, we've got faith. And so we've got all these puzzle pieces that we're trying to put together in our own life. Because our lives are really just one big puzzle. But if you stop and you think about it, sometimes this puzzle's kind of overwhelming, right? Sometimes our, our life is very much like this puzzle. It's overwhelming. There, there's just so much stuff that's, that's going on, so much to think about, so, so much to, to put together. And that's just our personal life. We're not even talking about what's happening in the world around us. We're not, we're not talking about things like, like politics and the pandemic and, and the economy. I mean, when you throw that into to our life, it's all pretty overwhelming. But what do you do when life's overwhelming? When life is overwhelming for you, do you just kind of stop where you're at and don't work on the puzzle of your life anymore? Or do you take the time in your life to begin to put these pieces together? Because we have a choice. We can either decide to stop and just remain where we are and kind of wallow in the world that we find ourselves in, or we can begin to, to put these pieces together, to make decisions in our life that in the end, we find this beautiful picture is left. Uh, today, we continue, and actually we conclude our series called Better. This is our fifth week of this series, and, 
Uh, if you've been in with us throughout the series, we've been talking about how, you know, 2020 was a rough year. And all of us would love to have a, a better 2021. And so this series is, is to help us have a better 2021. But, but I've said every week, I've said, hey, look, we want to have a better life, actually. We, we don't just want a better year. We want a better life. But we want to follow Jesus better. And so throughout this series, we've been using this theme statement. And this theme statement says, life doesn't get better by chance. Life gets better by change. And so over the course of this series, we've talked about a better year. We've talked about better relationships. We've talked about how it's better to have less than more. And last week, we talked about a better soul. But this week, we're going to talk about having a better you. What do you need to do in your life so that you can have a better you? What does it look like for you to put all these pieces together and to really begin to live this life that God has created you to do? And this life that God has created you to live. Well, as we get started today, I want to look at a passage of Scripture. It comes out of the book of Luke. Luke chapter 5. It may be a, a story that's familiar to you, but it's a, it's a conversation that Jesus has uh, w- with these two particular ladies. Here's what it says in Luke 5, starting with verse 38. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, she had a sister called Mary. So here at the beginning of this event, of this story, we see Jesus, and he, he shows up at this lady's house. Her name is Martha. And, uh, and not only is Martha there, but her sister is there, and her name is, is Mary. Now, they live in this small village, and based on some information we know a little bit later on, this village is called Bethany. Uh, probably a good way to describe Bethany, you know, for us here. Um, we've got Washington, D.C., big urban area, capital. Uh, then you've got a place like Springfield that, you know, right now is like 20, 25 minutes o- away from D.C. So we're in the suburbs. Bethany was a suburb of Jerusalem. Jerusalem's the capital. It's hustle and bustle. It's urban. Lots of people live in there. Bethany's about two miles away, so it would take you about 20, 25 minutes to walk to Bethany, or to walk to Jerusalem from Bethany. Again, we're talking about a suburb of the capital. Well, Mary and Martha actually become close friends of Jesus. We find out a little bit later. Uh, they have a brother whose name is, is Lazarus. But here's Jesus who shows up at Martha's home to hang out, to kind of rest, take a break, just to have a conversation with Mary and Martha. And here's what happens. Verse 39 continues. So she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Sibling fighting at its best right here, right? Mom, you know, tell Chris to come help me with the dishes. Dad, Dad can you tell Jason to come out here and help me with all the snow that's out here? Right, we, we, we kind of done that. If you've got siblings, you yell at your parents to tell them to tell your sibling to come help you. And Martha is doing the same thing to Mary. She, she's like, Jesus, tell Mary to come help me get prepared. Now, now why is she doing this? Well, for Martha, this is a pretty big deal. 
Jesus is in her home. And, and Jesus is a very special person. He's got an incredible reputation at this time. He's an incredible teacher, an amazing teacher. He's doing these miracles. He's healing people. He's got these disciples that are following him everywhere he goes. And, and it's just incredible who Jesus is. And, and so she, she sees Jesus and he's in her home. And so she wants to make sure that this moment, this time with him is super special. What does she want? She wants her house to be clean, right? She, she wants the food to be great. It talks about in here all the preparations. Martha has big plans because she's hosting Jesus. And what's Mary doing? <laughs> she's sitting on the floor. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she's basically just, as what Martha can tell, she's having a conversation of some sort with Jesus. Martha, though, when you read these words, she's distracted. She's like, hey, Jesus, tell my sister to come help me because there's all this work and all this effort that I'm putting into this time with you. In our home, my wife cares, Martha. She, she loves for things to be clean. I mean, when people are coming over the house, I mean, she cleans the house and it looks amazing. It, it's perfect. In fact, even if the exterminator is coming over the house, she cleans up. For me, if you're coming over to my house, you're going to hang out and my wife's not there, I'm probably not going to clean up a whole lot, okay? It's not that I don't love you. I'm like, move the dirty socks. You'll be fine. And so in our house, you know, my wife, Kara, is Martha and, and I am and Mary. And it may be like that in your house because we tend to marry people that are the opposite of us. But the reality is that all of us today are just like Martha. We are focused on so many things. We're distracted by so much in our life. I mean, those distractions are things like our career, the activities that we're a part of, our relationships in our life, school. You know what your distractions are. And so the reality is we're not much different than, than Martha, distracted by the world around us and, and forgetting about who's right there in front of us. Well, this story continues on. Verse 41 says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Now, notice Jesus' response to Martha. He, he doesn't yell at her, right? He, he doesn't get mad. He really answers her pretty tenderly. Maybe with a little bit of caution. Every time I read that, I kind of read it like, Martha, Martha, Martha. And I read that because, for some reason, the Brady Bunch always comes to mind, and Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. I'm sorry if that will change the way you read this now, but it always comes to my mind. Anyway, Martha is worried about too many things. She's distracted by too many things that are around her. But Mary, you see what Mary's doing here? She's showing her dependence on Jesus. I kind of wonder if um, after this interaction, Martha has regrets. When she looks back at this time with Jesus, she looks back at this conversation, I wonder if she has regrets. She thought she was focused on the right things. She thought she was doing the right things, and yet the reality is she was distracted. And I wonder after that, that moment, does she just stop and take a deep breath and say, oh, you know what, Jesus? You're exactly right. 
But you notice what Jesus does here. He reminds both of them that there's one thing that's most important in their life, and that thing is following Jesus. And maybe sometimes you and I, we need that same reminder in our own lives, that life comes fast. And sometimes we try to make life come a little bit faster than, than it should. And we get focused on things that are not important. We get focused on things that, that take us away from what is important. And in the end, again, it's about following Jesus. But here's what we do. We make decisions, right? We make decisions in our life that later on we fully regret. Look at verse 42. It says, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Again, look at the very beginning of that. Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is better. Are you choosing what is better? Are you choosing what's best? Or are you like Martha and distracted from the better? A better you means making better decisions. That, that means that we don't let the world around us distract us from what's most important. And again, that comes back to following Jesus. The most important thing we can do is follow Jesus because every single one of us have regerts, right? Yes, I said that wrong because you're looking at a tattoo hopefully on the screen right now. And uh, I don't really know if this tattoo is real. If it is, wow. But uh, it's supposed to say no regrets, right? But it says no re regrets. And, and maybe you have regrets in your life, and that would be strange. But I'm sure that you have regrets because every single one of us do. We all are, have been distracted by life around us. We've made decisions in our life where we look back on it and we fully have regrets for those decisions. What are those regrets for you? I know there's probably relational regrets. Uh, there are definitely financial regrets, career regrets, spiritual regrets. There's these decisions that we would love to go back, and we would love to go back and change them right now. And you know what those regrets do, right? You know they haunt you, because they haunt you day in and day out. You still feel sort of that emotion that's attached to that regret or that decision that you made that you regret maybe many years many years ago they hold us back they overwhelm us and many times those decisions and regrets are very much like this puzzle uh, that we just get to this place where we don't know what to do with all the pieces We've tried to put some pieces together. We, we've tried to create this puzzle, but we just never could do it because we've been so focused on those decisions in our life that have brought about this incredible regret that we hold on to every single day. But here's the deal. Those decisions that you've made that you can't change, okay? Those decisions that you've made where you're, you're still carrying those regrets with you, they're not ever going to change by chance. They're only going to change by change. Because again, life gets better not by chance. Life gets better by change. You get better not by chance. You get better by change, by taking action in your life to begin to put this puzzle of life together. And so this morning, as we think about this, a better you, as we think about 
our decisions and the regrets that can come from them, I want to give us three don'ts and three do's that I think can help us begin to live a life where we make better decisions and we have less regrets. Doesn't mean you're not going to make bad decisions. We're still going to do that. But maybe we can make less of them and really live the life we're created to live. So let me share first with with you those three don'ts. Here's the first don't. Don't act before you think. That's a big one. Don't act before you think. How many of your regrets in your life have come from acting before thinking? Guess what? Every single one of them. There's probably not one time in your life where you, you have this, carry this regret where you thought before you acted. Because so many times we act before we think. A, a great example of this, and I know I keep going back to this, but uh, social media. How, how many times has someone posted on something on social media and instead of thinking wisely about first not answering or replying to what they posted, or at least thinking pretty in-depth about what you're going to say as you reply to their post, how many times do we just act, right? We just unleash the lion, and we just pounce on the, on the keyboard, and we throw those words back up there right at them because, man, they are so, so wrong in our opinion. And too many times we act that way. We act first before we think. This is one of the reasons um, we remind our kids all the time that what they post will come back to haunt them. And that's why, hey, you can, you can call us big brother. You can call us terrible parents. We really don't care. Our kids have no privacy when it comes to their social media, okay? We monitor their social media. Uh, we make sure that we're checking their social media. And you know what? We have some spies out there who kind of inform us when they see things. They're like, hey, I'm not quite sure about this. And the reason is pretty simple. We don't want our kids to make decisions they will regret later on in life. We know they're going to do it. But we want to help them think through that. We want them to think before they act. And maybe that's one of the places you and I need to go to, too, to have a better you, that we we think before we act. Proverbs 13, 16 says, Wise people think before they act. Fools don't, and even brag about their foolishness. Are you acting first, or are you thinking first? Here's the number two don't. Don't think you know it all. Don't think you know it all. Uh, When I was an obnoxious teenager many years ago, my mom told me, she said, Chad, you think too highly of yourself. And um, at the time, I thought she was crazy. I'm like, what does she know? Because I am the smartest person around here. It took me a few years to realize that I was not the smartest person around because I didn't know it all. But you know, many of us do think that. We think we know it all. Again, let's talk about this pandemic for for a second. You didn't realize that so many of your friends and family were infectious disease specialists, did you? No, you you thought they were financial consultants. You, you, You didn't realize so many of your friends and family were present at every single White House meeting because, man, they haven't left their left their hometown like 40 years, and yet they seem to know it all, right? They seem to know all they need to know. And it's funny during a time like this, how many people know more than they actually know. Proverbs 12, 15 says, Fools think their way is right, but the wise listen to others. 
yeah, I get it. Maybe you read a few articles uh, about the virus, right? You read a few articles about the vaccine or you watched a, a few news items. Maybe you watched a, a one or two documentaries. But unless you're actually the expert, unless you actually do know everything about, unless this is actually your, your job, you don't know it all. And you know what? When you think you know it all, you will make decisions that in your life you will look back on and you will fully regret. Uh, I've been a pastor for 22 years. I talked about that last week. And I can tell you when I started as a pastor, <laughs> I knew it all. I, I, I knew it all. But as I've aged, I have realized that I really, really don't. You have to take the time to stop and listen to others and stop thinking that you know it all. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. But if you want a better you, don't act like you know it all. Here's a third don't for us today. Don't hurt those you love. Don't hurt those you love. How many of the regrets do you have in your life because you hurt someone that you truly loved. Again, there's probably quite a few of them out there. You probably hurt your parents. Uh, you probably have hurt your kids, your, your spouse, uh, your friends, family. I mean, how many times do we hurt those people that we love in our life? See, when our life is kind of out of whack, when it's like this big puzzle here and, and things aren't going out like we expected and, and life is, is out of control, you know what we do, right? We make bad decisions. We make poor decisions. And when we do that, we lash out at those we say we love. We belittle them. Uh, we express anger towards them. Maybe we just fully shut down and don't say a word. And this is our expression to them of, of how we feel. We, we hurt those we love. And many times we do that because we've never dealt with those tensions in our life. We've never dealt with those decisions. We've never dealt with those struggles. And we still carry that burden with us to such a degree that we forget that, that how we express ourselves and how we talk to those that we say we love, man, it can bring hurt and pain to them. Proverbs 14.1 says the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears it all down. How many houses have you torn down? How many houses have you torn down because you have hurt the ones you love? Because I can tell you, when you hurt the ones that you love, your life will be full of regrets. Now, I know there are more don'ts here. You can add your own. You maybe have a few, but I think these are, are pretty, pretty powerful and probably pretty true for many of us. But I really want to talk about the do's. What are the things that you and I can do so that, so that we can have a better year, a better life, so that we can be better at following Jesus? Well, what can you do to have a better you? So let's begin here with this first one, and I think one of the most important ones, probably the most important one, and that one is this. The number one do is do fear God. Do fear God. I can remember as a kid that uh, 
my, uh, my parents, I, I'm pretty sure, taught me this idea of, of fearing God. And, and so I would kind of walk around and I was afraid to do much of anything because I was afraid if I messed up just one time, like God was going to strike me down right there in, in that moment. Now, I'm pretty sure my parents did that to, to me and my two brothers so that we would listen to them. Okay, I think it was just kind of a way for them to scare us, a scare tactic, tactic if you will, and, and it worked pretty well. But I also wonder how many people have this idea about God. How many people see God and are like, hey, God's just like this, this grumpy old, old man and, and he's just ready to smite you down at, at any given moment. Well, in Scripture, when we read about fearing God, what we're really talking about here, what Scripture is talking about is this, this holy awe, okay? A-W-E, this, this holy awe of, of who God is. So, so this fear is that you, you can't fully comprehend God. You, you can't fully comprehend who God is and what God's doing. There's a great example of this in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, verse 43. This is the beginning of the church, and we read these words. It says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. If you still watch ESPN and you look at Sports Center, you know, at the end of all of their Sports Centers, they have the top 10 plays from, from that, particular, that particular day. And, and almost every single clip is just this incredible, amazing sports feat, right? And so you, you might see this incredible catch. You might see this uh, awesome dunk. Um, you might see this, this overtime goal and this team's winning and it's this incredible shot. Uh, by one of the, the players, or, or maybe it's just a soccer flop, because that's what soccer players do. They just flop, and it's just, wow, nobody's ever flopped like that before. I'm just kidding. I know we got a lot of soccer fans. I'm totally kidding with that. There's always a really cool goal that, that they show from, from soccer, but, but you've, you've watched these before if you're, you're much of a sports fanatic. Well, I kind of think about what we read here about this holy awe and fearing God, and, and what this term really means it really means holy terror. That, that what's happening around these individuals here, especially in the book of Acts, they're amazed and terrified at the same time. They're like, wow, God is doing something incredible and it's actually so incredible. I have some fear in my life because that's never happened before. And, and so there's this holy terror that's, that's there. It's almost this question of what God is up to. In Proverbs 9.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I think if we go back to Mary and Martha, uh, Martha's making all these preparations. Mary is sitting there at the feet of, of Jesus, and I, I honestly believe that, that Mary's got this holy awe of, of Jesus like she is soaking all of this in she, she's heard these stories maybe she's seen some of these miracles that have taken place I mean his teaching is just challenging her and there's like this oh th this guy is is different there's something about him he's he's amazing and and at the same time almost terrifying do you and I have this kind of awe this kind of holy terror of, of what God can do, what God will do, what God has done. 
Look, you want a better year? You want a better life? You want to follow Jesus better? You want a better you? Then fear God. Be in this, this awe of who God is. This first thing I would ask you to do to have a better you is to do fear God. Second thing, the second do we would have is to do ask God. You know, we had Christmas not too long ago, about a month ago, and at Christmas time we ask for specific gifts. And, and for some of you, you're probably just now getting your gifts because of the, the postal service, all right? And it's not their fault, it's the COVID things. But, but you ask for presents, and for the most part, you, you probably get exactly what you asked for. I, I wonder if sometimes we get so focused on fearing God that we forget that God is also a God of giving. And I'm not talking about God's going to give you lottery wins, all right? I'm not talking about God's going to give you that A on, on the test that you didn't spend any time studying for. I, I'm not talking about God's going to give you that brand new Bronco that you just, you know, you, you just shared that, uh, that advertisement on Facebook. And you're like, man, this is going to be for me. I don't, I don't think God really cares about the lottery or your A that you didn't study for or giving you a, a brand new, new Bronco. What does God care about? God cares about us asking for wisdom for wisdom in our life, which means we have to take the time to ask God for that wisdom. Because if we want less regrets so that we can be a, a better you, so you can be a better you, that means we've got to be more wise when it comes to the decisions that we make. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. You see what James says here, right? James says, ask for wisdom. He doesn't say, ask for gifts. He doesn't say, ask for a lottery win. He doesn't say, ask for that A, ask for that Bronco. He doesn't say any of that. He says, ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. Because that's the one thing that you and I need when we're looking to make decisions in our life. If you want less regrets, if you want to make better decisions in your life, then take the time to ask God to give you the wisdom that you need. You want to have less regrets in your relationships, in your finances, in your career, in your spiritual walk? You want to do that? Then take the time to pray and ask for God to guide you. That means being patient. Uh, that, that means this may not... Uh, this answer may not come in the, the next two days that you want. It may be two years down the road or 20 years down the road. But we have to take the time to ask. See, we not only fear God and, and the incredible awe that we should have of God, we have to take the time to ask God for that wisdom in our life. Which leads us to our third do. Do spend time with wise people. I can remember as a teenager, again, as maybe some of you, um, there were those, probably those, those other kids that your parents warned you about. They're like, whatever you do, don't hang out with them. They're, they're bad news. They're, they're going to bring you trouble. And as you look back on your life, how many regrets do you have about being a teenager because you did not listen to your parents? Because you went and you hung out with those kids. And guess what? You got in trouble. Maybe some really big trouble. 
well, you had some wise people around you that were trying to give you really good advice, and yet you didn't listen to them. And now you have regrets in your life. I mentioned a little bit earlier that the older I get, the more I realize I don't know much. And then as I begin to kind of look around me, what I find is there's so much wisdom around me at any moment. Uh, That wisdom is coming from friends, it's coming from family, it's coming from people here in this church, it's coming from people that are older than me, it's coming from people that are are younger than me. Uh, I have a a pastor cohort I'm a part of, uh, eight guys, eight pastors all throughout the United States. We get together a couple times a year, but man, we're always emailing, always texting each other throughout the week and and I'm always asking them questions because I just want to learn more. I want to I know more. I want to I be better at what I do. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better person. And so I'm always trying to gather information and, and learn from others who are struggling the same way but, but maybe have learned something in their life that can help me out. Who is that for you? Because I find that wise people make me a better person person. Proverbs 13 20 says, he who walks with the wise grows, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Like if you took the time and you were to look around you, you would find there are so many wise people that are in your life. But are you asking them questions? Are, are you inviting them into kind of your, your puzzle of life to, to help you maneuver through it, to help you find your way, to help you kind of put some of these, these pieces together? You go back to the, the second do there, the, the asking God, the prayer thing. Man, maybe you're praying for certain decisions and, and certain steps in your life. And you know what? Maybe it's the wise people around you who are coming back to you, who are helping to lead you to help you put these pieces together. You want a better you? <laughs> you want to be able to put these pieces together? Then, then, then spend time and listen to those who are wise. Uh, if you're like me, you want a better year. If you're like me, you want a better life. If you're like me, you, you want to be a better follower of Jesus. And then if you're like me, you just you want to be a better you. Because I know I want less regrets in my life. I, I know that I want to make more wise decisions in my life. Because I do understand that sometimes that this, this is my life. It's this one big puzzle, but there's all these pieces that I'm I'm trying to put together, and, and it's not easy. And those don'ts, they, man, they get in the way. But when I focus on those do's, when I fear God, when I ask God, when I bring people around me who are wise to help me take the next steps in my life, it's funny how this puzzle that's my life begins to fully be put together. It, it takes time. And as you can tell, it takes a lot of effort, and, and it definitely takes a lot of patience, but it also takes being in awe of who God is. And knowing that taking the time to spend with God in prayer 
and bringing those wise people around me, at some point, this puzzle, it's going to get put together better than it's ever been. It's never going to be finished. But it can begin to truly look like the picture of who, who God has created me to be. And you know what? I believe that's true for you too. You want a better you? Or do you want your life to look like this puzzle? If you want a better you, then you invite God and you invite people into your life to help you be the better you. God has created you for something more incredible and more powerful than, than you can hope for, even imagine in your life. But to get there, it means that we've got to take some steps in our life. We've got, to, we've got to get beyond making these poor decisions that we have made. And we've got to get beyond our regrets and let them go. And we've got to begin to put these pieces together with God's help. And God will do some amazing things while we're doing this. And with the help of others around us. And in the end, you will be that better you that you want to be. And you will be that better you that God has created you to be too. I hope you have a better year. I hope your life is better. I hope you follow Jesus better. I hope you are better. And you can finally be who God has created you to be. And we can live this life that we're called to live. And these pieces of this puzzle will finally come together. And this wonderful picture of what's left, you know what it is? It's you. I pray that's your life. I pray for better things for you as you let God lead you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time together today. God, I know that every single one of us has made decisions in our life where we are carrying these incredible regrets. But God, you're a God of love. You're a God of, 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 of mercy and grace. And you still love us. And yet too many of us, we hold on to those regrets. God, let us let the, them go to you. For us to have a, a better life, to, to be the, the better you that you've created us to be, God, we've just got to focus our, our hearts and souls on who you are, to fear you, to have this holy terror of, of what you can do and amazed at what you can do, and to spend time with you in prayer and to bring wise people around us. And then these puzzle pieces, God, they'll begin to be put together. It's hard, not easy, but we can only do it if you are here to help us. And so, God, I thank you that you have given us Jesus to lead and guide us, to follow, to put all these people in our life, to give us wisdom. And I thank you for hearing our prayers. And I pray, God, that because of who you are and because of us trying so hard to, to follow Jesus and to, to live a life worthy of you, God, that those decisions we make will be powerful decisions and ones with less regrets. Thank you, God, for loving us. Again, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.